Hello, and welcome to another edition of the Read More Podcast, the show that brings readers and writers together. I'm your host, Marva Hinton. Today, I'm at the Miami Book Fair with new YA author, Brittany Morris. Her debut novel is called Slay. It was published back in September. It's about Kira Johnson, a 17-year-old honor student who creates Slay, a video game inspired by the movie Black Panther. It's designed to represent a safe space for black gamers who often face racism in other gaming communities. It's all about celebrating black culture. But when a dispute in the Slay world leads to a teenager's murder, some members of the media argue that the game promotes violence and attracts young thugs. The game also faces accusations of discrimination since white players are excluded. Brittany, congratulations on Slay, and thanks so much for coming by to talk about your work. Yeah, thanks for having me here. I read that you were so inspired by Black Panther that you went home and wrote Slay in 11 days. What was it about the movie that sparked your desire to write? Uh, It was a lot of different things. So as a kid, since I was the only, I was the only black kid in my school for most of my childhood, um, I kind of became like the resident black culture expert at school and people expected me to be able to teach them all things black culture. And I was like, I grew up in Oregon, just like y'all. I don't have any like extra insight into what my entire race experiences day to day. Um, And so I felt kind of unqualified and like I wasn't black enough. Like I wasn't, I didn't fit this, like a lot of stereotypes that my white classmates expected me to. And I didn't really like acknowledge this as a problem or work through it until I went to see Black Panther because that was the first time where I walked into a room full of black people and felt unconditional love and acceptance just as I was or rather allowed myself to feel that because that love was always there I just didn't think it was for me because I felt unqualified Um, and so I went home and I was like I've got to go back to Wakanda like someone has to make a Wakanda video game And three days later, nobody was talking about making a video game. And I became like viscerally upset. I was like, I've got to do something. And I said, if I don't know how to program a video game, I'm going to write a book about someone who does know how. And so that was where the idea for Kira and her virtual reality, Nubian Paradise, came from. And I wrote it so quickly because, one, I was so inspired. Slay was the first thing that I've ever written where I was physically uncomfortable until I got it out. And two, I was in a hurry to finish before PitMad, which was a a Twitter pitch contest for writers to get their book in front of agents very quickly. Um, And that was happening in 14 days. And I knew that if I wanted to be the first person with a Black Panther comp, I was going to have to get it out in less than 14 days. Well, before writing Slay, you were working as a business analyst. How did you go from that to writing a novel that went to auction with seven editors and helped land you a two-book deal with Simon & Schuster's Simon Pauls? Good question. So I've always loved writing. Um, I fell in love with writing at age nine. Uh, My fourth grade teacher gave us a journal assignment um, where we all had to write like a page about what was going on in our lives. And my childhood was distinctly unfriendly at home and at school. Uh, and so I said, I don't really want to know. I don't really want to like relive what's going on. And nobody wants to hear about that. So I was like, I'm just going to make it up. I'm just going to make up characters, make up a story, just see where it goes. And that was my first intro to writing fiction. So I've always been in love with writing um, and being able to express myself through that. And uh, I chose a college major 
somebody talked me into majoring in something quote sensible read mathematic science oriented business oriented something that would pay the bills so i majored in economics and that took me all the way into a business analyst role um but it was never really my passion writing was always where i wanted to be Kira Johnson and her sister Steph are part of a handful of black students at their Seattle high school, sort of like what you said you experienced. And no one knows that she developed Slay. So she's leading a double life in so many ways. I mean, she faces pressure from her mom to present the proper image to her classmates. She's not supposed to use slang, for example. And she's often, like you were, called on by her classmates to be the voice of blackness, to answer questions about how black people feel about certain things. Now, that's a lot of pressure for anyone, but especially for someone so young. Why did you want to explore the effects of marginalization and feeling that you can't be your authentic self among teenagers? Absolutely. So uh, I think that theme came from uh, when I left the theater and went back to work on Monday. <laughs> and I, w- I was still sitting there thinking about Slay, the book idea, and the, the movie that I had seen. It was a life-changing experience. And I went back to my job where I was one of two black people in the whole department. And I would talk to people and be like, did you see the movie on Friday? And they would be like, what movie? Like, no, I didn't. I, I'm, I'll get around to it. Maybe. I, I don't know. It's just kind of nobody else had a life changing experience like I did. And I said, it feels like I stepped into a different universe. Um, and then I realized, like, that's how it feels even transitioning from home to work or home to school. And I had felt that way my whole life. And that was really what brought it out um, because it, it felt extra, uh, uh, I guess, polarized in that moment. So that was kind of where the dual life aspect of it came from. Well, part of the reason Slay is so attractive to players is that it eliminates the casual racism found embedded in many video games. In one example you give, there's a game where the only option for black players is to be a troll. Why did you want to examine the issues of race through the lens of a virtual world? Great question. So Um, I think, uh, well, when I was a kid, my mom organized uh, an event, an annual event called the Black Family Barbecue, um, because there were so few black people in our city, and our whole state, rather, in Oregon. um, She organized the Black Family Barbecue, and when all of the black families that we knew or, like, would see in the store and, like, grab and say, hey, do you want to come to this event? it felt like stepping into a different world. And every like cookout I went to that was like all my family, like I could, I felt an extra dose of freedom, like I could be who I really was. Um, And just feeling like I was moving between worlds, um, it felt very similar to jumping into a video game. Um, I, I play video games all the time and it really does feel like you're stepping into a different world. And I've played indie video games for so long, and for so long that's been the scene where gaming has really advanced into talking about um, like heavy topics like depression, suicide, um, terminal illness, you name it. Uh, and that's where I've seen a lot of diversity as well. So I've seen a lot of diversity in like indie gaming. It's just mainstream gaming, like in the book that I mentioned, that's kind of lagging behind with representation and with diversity. 
one of the ideas that's stressed in Slay is that there's no right or wrong way to be black. So everyone is welcome here. So you have young kids who play, black professionals, teens from the LGBTQ community, upper middle class kids like Kira, and kids who come from lower income families. But in the Slay world, they're all welcome. What do you hope readers will take from this about the importance of safe spaces for members of minority communities? I think the main takeaway I was hoping for is when we create our own spaces, there are a lot of different opinions floating around um, from the white majority, from the straight majority, from the cisgender majority um, about how that should be done. And the last thing we need is like exclusionary talk within our own community. So I hear a lot about um, uh, people saying, like people speaking out against quote the softening of black men and like the the uh, emasculation of black men, and it's like there are a lot of black men who have a lot of feelings. Like let's welcome them too. They belong with us. Um, they need this safe space just like we do. And um, there's even a moment in Slay where uh, Cicada, the mod for Slay, is like, "I'm actually half black. Like, am I? Am I still like it? Like, am I still allowed to do this?" And Kira says, "Like, you need this just as much as we do. Of course, you're in." <laughs> um, and so it's really about including all of us. Respectability politics aside, like whatever you've got going on, you still need this space just like we do. Um, and so that's my, it's kind of like a, a, a love letter to black people worldwide, unconditionally. Well, there is a troll who accesses the game and calls it anti-white discrimination. And in the end, Kira has to battle this troll in an online duel for control of this community. Now, I have a very strict no-spoiler policy here at Read More, but I do have to ask if you had any concerns about the book's villain and that uh, the portrayal of this person might be perpetuating a stereotype yes um i did think about that i thought long and hard about it i actually didn't see the 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 twist in the book coming until right before it happened as i was writing which is great because that's how a twist works you have to you have to pull the reader into a different story and then like convincingly and then say actually it's this so um, I did worry about the portrayal of the villain uh, as he was, be- just because when people think of video games and gamers, they think of Wyatt. Um, they think of like this like 12-year-old, skinny, malnourished, like doesn't really care about his hygiene, antisocial white kid. Um, and gamers look very, very different from that. So the villain, I wanted the villain to be a recognizable face, um, but I also wanted there to be depth there. So there's a whole conversation between Wyatt, Steph, and Kira um, where they're talking about uh, representation in video games in general. And Wyatt is saying things like, well, you know, the only reason why like uh, European medieval characters keep getting made into video games is because that's what people want to see. Um, And then he also says, like, you know, wasn't the game Mummy enough? And it's like Mummy is this very specific, like, RPG that takes place in Egypt. And I hear those conversations all the time. People ask, like, oh, you know, Assassin's Creed Origins, like, everybody was a little bit tan and it was in Egypt. Isn't that enough? It's like, no, like, there are black people worldwide. Can we, like, get some more representation in there? That's not enough. 
Um, and so I wanted there to be more like analysis from him instead of making him just like a one-dimensional like I don't like that I'm not in the game like let me in like I wanted there to be a motive and a reason behind that now I'd like to ask you about what you like to read and what has influenced your work so if you are in a situation where you could only read three books for the rest of your life uh, which books would you choose to really pour over and study because you really 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 like them oh that's so difficult (laughs) just three Forever. Forever's a long time. I mean, well, I guess I guess I'll answer this a little bit differently. So the the three books that have had like the biggest impact on me as a writer are um, All the Light We Cannot See, which is actually an adult book. It's not YA contemporary. Um, but every if every line of that book was pure poetry just absolutely beautiful just the author has this way of describing things that are completely mundane and ordinary but he does it so so masterfully and I had never read anything like that before so that's a book that I could read over and over again and study how that works because I would love for my prose to sound that gorgeous um what else oh um The Dinner by Herman Coe which was a very like edgy kind of dark adult book Um, but the whole thing takes place around a dinner table and I've always been really fascinated by like super enclosed settings even though I wrote about Kira's world and a giant virtual world I'm I'm really really impressed by authors who can just write an entire book that's set at like a bus stop or a restaurant or in a boat like Life of Pi something like that so I would love to write a book like that one day where it's very enclosed and it's very introspective so that's a book that I could read and study and then the last one it's got to be a tie between anything by Angie Thomas and uh, the fifth season by N.K. Jemison. pretty much anything by N.K. Jemison. just that book had a huge impact on me um, the twists in it the action in it is just like my heart was racing the whole time I was reading it it's so well done um so yeah I kind of cheated that's four books and they're my favorites not necessarily the only ones I would read but that's my answer I'm sticking with it okay I'll let you get away with that (laughs) um uh, let's talk about just on the flip side of that have you ever had a book that was like really really popular or was um you know it got a lot of critical acclaim but when you read it you didn't kind of see what, what all the hype was about, or you couldn't even get through it. Yes. Uh, the first one that comes to mind is The Night Circus. And I don't think it was because I didn't care for the writing or even the story. I think I read it when I wasn't prepared for that much theatrics in the writing. And I mean, it's about a circus, so I should have been more prepared. But I, I just... It didn't grab my attention the way it seemed to grab everyone else's attention. So, and my general rule is that I don't uh, rate books that I haven't finished, and I don't generally finish books I don't like. So, <laughs> I don't know if I would ever come back to that, maybe, um, but not right now. <laughs> well, what are you reading right now? Right now, I'm actually reading On the Come Up by Angie Thomas. I just got past chapter one, and I already know, like, five people that I'm giving this thing to for Christmas, so it's already fantastic. And what are you working on? Are you already, uh, is your second book already done, or are you still working on it now? 
Second book is written, and I am now editing it, and book three was supposed to be getting written for NaNoWriMo. That didn't happen. Um, I'm still plotting it, so. Um, but yeah, would you like me to tell you a little bit about book two? Yes. <laughs> awesome. So book two is another standalone, um, unrelated to Slay. It is about two uh, black teenage brothers who um, have a family curse. So one of them can see into the future and one of them can see into the past. And the older one, the one who can see into the future, sees a vision of his younger brother dying in the next couple of days. And so it becomes a race against time to like figure out where this family curse came from. And it's been in their family since the days of slavery and try to get rid of it before it's too late. So it's kind of a cross between Dear Martin and um, they both die at the end. Uh, it took a lot out of me. Uh, it goes into the ancestral plane and it goes into talking about black men and black teenage boys prioritizing their mental health, um, empowerment versus emasculation, because that's a concern for a lot of people when talking about black men and their feelings. Um, what it takes to be uh, a black kid worth looking up to in today's society, uh, like as society says. It's, there's a long criteria that has to be met before the world says, okay, now we'll say, look at this kid. This is somebody who we want as a role model. It's, it's almost impossible to get that kind of um, validation from just the general populace. And it's so unfair. So I wanted to talk about all of those things in this book. And I'm really excited to get to share it with everyone. It doesn't have an official title yet, but everything else is pretty much getting polished right now. Okay, well, where can listeners find you online? Uh, I am on Twitter and Instagram at Brittany M. Morris. Uh, and I have a website called authorbrittanymorris.com and slaythebook.com, specifically for Slay. Okay, well, Brittany, thanks again for sitting down with us. It's really been a pleasure to talk to you about your work. Thank you so much for having me. This has been great. Please go to our website, readmorepodcast.com, to find out how you can win a free signed copy of Slay. You can also follow us on Twitter at Read More Podcast and like us on Facebook. Join us again in two weeks for another edition of the show that brings readers and writers together. Until then, I'm Marva Hinton reminding you to read more. <laughs>